Well, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Um, I really feel as we conclude our Clean Slate series, we've spent time talking about repentance, talking about what that looks like in our life towards God, towards others. We've talked about having a clear conscience uh, and taking steps to make things right in our lives. We've talked about overcoming uh, reoccurring failure. We've talked about what the grace of God, how it's meant to impact and change our lives in very visible, very tangible ways. So this morning, I thought I'd conclude our series um, by talking about what a fresh start, kind of some advice for a continuation in this fresh start that God has given so many, and even think about it for, uh, for those who are being baptized this morning. And as, as we were worshiping, and I was just thinking about what we we're going to look at together, I, th- I think another title you could even give it would kind of like be, a, be a, a roadmap to success, a roadmap to being able to live a, a successful Christian life, a victorious Christian life. And just three things, three summaries that I'd love to give you that we've talked about throughout the series, but to help put them in front of you as kind of points going forward for us. But look with me in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. I think the very first thing that I would give you, just three quick things, uh, and then we're going to have these individuals baptized, three quick things to give you uh, to be able to live successfully, to to move forward in what God's been doing in in many hearts, I believe, in this series and even this morning. And the first thing I would encourage you, it's found in verses 1 and 2, but it's, it's determine your mindset. Determine your mindset. Verses 1 and 2, once again. Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. One of the ways that we've talked about this consistently uh, in the series is we've, we've, we've talked about it found in uh, Hebrews chapter 12. It says to fix your thoughts on Jesus. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Or as I say this morning, to determine your mindset. Have you ever taken time to, to look and realize and consider how much your mindset affects the direction your life goes in. How much you determine in your mind, what you, you set your mind to, what you focus on, determines really the direction you choose, the direction you go uh, in life. And so what Colossians is telling us in just these verses we've looked at, what it's telling us is that the next logical step, if you give your life to Jesus Christ, if he's given you a fresh start, a clean slate, that his grace has changed you, the next logical step in, in the freedom from sin is to begin to fix your thoughts, fix your mind, fix your focus upon Jesus. To set your mind on, as some translations would say in Colossians chapter 3, is that you would set your mind heavenward. You would set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Now, have you ever stopped to consider the power of influence in your life by way of what you allow to, to shape and influence your mind. If you're stopped to consider that. For some here, you may have even just pulled up on version on the Bible app, the, the message notes, and while you're there, you notice that right next to you, right next to your version app is your Facebook app or your Twitter app. And so you think, well, while we're flipping, I'm going to check my status. And before long, you're, you're sucked into that and you find your, your mind, instead of even listening, your mind is being influenced by the, the, the social stream that you have connected to. For others, it might be on your way home that the things you turn on, the things you talk about, where your focus is, or even right now as you, you could be thinking about what you're going to be doing later today or who you're going to be with this week, a number of things that we allow to pull our focus and our mindset somewhere else. 
If you were to take time over the week and just analyze the different things that are allowed to influence your thinking and to influence your mind and influence your life, I think sometimes we would be amazed and even shocked at the things that, that um, we allow in. From the, the shows we watch, to the things we read, to the things we listen to, to the people we spend time with, that they all have an avenue and, and, and a, a sense of being able to program and influence and shape our mindset. What the Bible tells us, what we're looking at in Colossians chapter 3, is telling us is that really we, as a follower of Jesus Christ, our commitment needs to be to make sure that our mindset is set on Jesus, our mindset is set on heaven, and that we're allowing the things of heaven, the things of Christ, to influence and shape our minds. As we've talked about in our minds, and we've talked about the mindset, we've talked about what we set our mind on, I really believe that to the battle to live and the freedom that Jesus provides for every single Christian so the battle to live in the freedom that he provides is really won or lost in the mind. It's won or lost in your mind. And, and if you choose to take the things that we talk about, to take the things that, that God's Spirit shows you, to take the things of, of God's Word, and to look to put it into action. It's understanding the power of your mindset, what you determine to set your mindset on and how powerful that is. One of the things you'll notice with uh, the individuals to be baptized in just a few minutes is when they come down the, the stairs and they step down and get into the water, there's a number of different things that they could focus on. They could be, be nervous to focus out and wonder, who's all here? Can I spot my family, my friends, and those who are here to, to celebrate this with me? They might get focused on the, uh, how hot or cold the water is. We've had times where, I remember at times we've gotten in and the heater broke, and so you're climbing into to frigid ice water. We've had other times the heater's uh, going rampant and you're climbing into like a hot tub. I mean, just that stuff happens. So there's all these things that could distract from, from being able to get into the tank effectively. But as they step down the, the stairs, you're going to notice that while there's a lot of things to focus in on, most of them are pretty much focused on one step after another to get into the tank to where they need to be. They kind of set their mind on where they're headed. I would imagine that most here have at some point seen a video or even it's happened to you where your mind is somewhere else, whether when you're, you're driving and a distraction happens or we've seen videos of individuals who are focused on other things and those other things where their, their mind and their focus is ultimately leads them to stumbling into something they shouldn't have or, or, or some sort of blooper that's caught on YouTube. And we see just kind of the error of their way because their mind was set on something else. And it really, I think, can be a picture of the Christian that if we're just letting anything and everything to influence our mind and our hearts and our, our desires, that it really is like we're just stumbling along through life. And while we may claim Christianity and title, it's not allowing our minds to be renewed and changed and transformed to be more like Jesus and to think more as Jesus would desire for every one of his followers to think. One of the verses we've looked at, I believe it was last week, is in Ephesians 4. It's talking about the new life that Jesus is birthing in individuals, and he's birthing in you and shaping in me. And he's talking about this new life, and it says, because of what he's done, Ephesians 4, I think it's verse 17, and then the verses after. But it says, because of what he's done, be transformed in, in the way you think. Let there be a renewing in your thinking. That there's this, there's this shifting and changing of what our mindset and what our focus is on. Now, for the Christian, there's a number of, of things that we can do that I think will really begin to shape uh, and transform our minds. I think one of them is something we've done this morning as we worship. We put our focus upon Jesus. We, we put our affections, our desires, our focus upon him. And just gathering together, one of the things that I'll consistently pray over, we pray on Wednesday nights when we gather together, and we pray over uh, just the services we have on Sunday. It's one of my consistent prayers and the staff's consistent prayers for us when we gather, anytime we gather 
So our prayer is that this is just when we gather, there's an atmosphere of God's presence that changes people. And there's just an atmosphere when we worship, an atmosphere when we receive God's word, an atmosphere when we're gathered as a church family, an atmosphere where the presence of God is honored and where his presence is recognized. And I've had individuals share with me, come, they'll, they'll come by, I've had some tell us they were driving by and just since they needed to stop by and when they came in, just the change that God brought up, I've had others tell me as they, they come in that it's just like they said that just things that have, have inhibited their thinking all week have just kind of just get set aside and there's just a clarity of mind just being in the presence of God. I remember another individual who came and was not a Christian at the time, gave his life to Christ um, over the years that he was here. He's since moved on to, to another uh, community, but he says, I don't even know how to describe it. He says, when I come and sit in church, he says, it's just like, he said, I'm just, uh, something about this place makes me happy. And I told him, I said, well, well that's, that's the presence of God. You might want to use the word happy. You might want to use the joy, word joyful. I was talking with a friend this past week who's not yet a Christian. And as, as I was talking with him, um, just talking with him about church, a number of things, I've invited him a few times. But he was talking about being in a church service, a lot like ours. And he said, and again, someone who's not raised in church, no background in church. And he just says, I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. He says, but when I'm there, it's like, he says, it's, it's the feeling like I'd be like at Woodstock or something. I'm like... <laughs> I told him, I said, I don't, I don't really know if I've ever heard someone describe the presence of God as Woodstock, but what you're talking about is the peace that the presence of God brings. It's the peace that the presence of God brings. He changes people. He transforms people. He renews our minds. And so that's why when we gather, I really believe that's one of the key things that, that is happening is as we're sitting here receiving God's word, we're spending time in worship, we're allowing the presence of God to renew our minds and our thinking. Another way to allow your mindset to be shifted and allow the God to do his work in your mind is, is Colossians 3.16. It says, let the words of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly. Some translations would say, let the words of Christ abide in you richly. And, and what he's talking about when he says it, he says, let the words of Christ abide or let the words of Jesus take up residence in your life. Take up residence in your heart. It's far more than just memorizing a verse or two or, or being familiar with a passage, but letting the truth of what Jesus says so permeate your heart, so permeate your mind, so permeate who you are that it, it comes out of you. It comes out of you and how you speak, that it shapes how you think, it shapes how you live. It's letting the words of Christ take up residence, take up occupancy within you. So first thing I would encourage you with is really to uh, determine your mindset. I think the second thing to, to be able to live successfully in this clean slate that God has given so many and to be able to follow him. First one is determine your mindset. The second thing I would encourage you with uh, and really um, encourage you to do is to be all in. Be all in on what it is that God's doing inside of you. Be all in on the work that Jesus is doing in you. Colossians 3, I think, says it, says it best. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. It says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Many times in, in the New Testament, some of the language that's used, talking about who we used to be before an individual came to Jesus and after, it uses the phrase death. It talks about you died or, or um, that, it, that there's been a death of who you used to be. And what it's kind of talking about is this, there's this complete putting away. There's this ending. There's this severing of the relationship. There's this evicting of the old person of who you used to be. And a good way to picture it is that Jesus has, has severed the reign of sin and the control of sin in your life. Life, we have the choice to end its influence. 
to be completely in on what God is doing and making choices that are consistent with what he's doing. Um, there's a few other things I want to share with you about this, but I think I found a video recently that I thought could best illustrate the picture of what we're trying to talk about in being all in on what Jesus is doing. So I think maybe a picture to help you take that and pl- apply it into, to today with individuals being baptized in water. Can you imagine as an individual comes into the tank and Pastor David's in the tank this morning to help uh, baptize and can you imagine as he gets them ready and he's getting ready to baptize them under, one of them stops him and says, listen, Pastor David, I really liked how I did my hair today. So I'd like for you to take me all the way down about the neck up, but let's leave the hair intact, okay? <laughs> or can you imagine, can you imagine if someone else is, they climb in the tank and they say, okay, I, I don't want my hands wet, so I'm going to just have you baptize everything but my hands. I'm going to just keep my hands straight out, straight up, and when I go down, they're going to go up and back, and I'm not going to get wet. <laughs> Can you imagine that? I mean, you look at that, and you say, well, that's not really, that's not baptism the way, uh, the way Christ teaches and, and instructs us to do, and, and I would add to that, and that's not the way the Christian life is meant to be lived, the way Jesus has called us to live. That he's called you to live in complete freedom, and that means giving him control of every single part. Surrendering every single part of who you are and being all in on the work and the change and, the tra- and what he's doing in you and the freedom that he's giving you uh, through the life that he is producing in you. It's being all in, being completely in and letting him free you from things that from many, I believe, just hold, hold you back and continue to hold you back from the life of Christ that he is uh, producing in you. As we're reading in Colossians, I want you to look at one verse, Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. Can you put that on the screen for me? Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. I just want to show you one little phrase in this. It says, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. It says that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Now, if you've been around church, if you've grown up in church, I've, I've shared with you my story of raised in church, and, and I'm sure many others here have, and others perhaps have not. But when we hear that word, that phrase, to please him in every way, to please God in every way, sometimes our mindset, our habit is to flip to a list of things that we need to do in order to please God. Or our minds flip to a list of things that we shouldn't do in order to please God. So maybe on the list of things to do that would please God, you would insert uh, attending church regularly. You would insert making sure you read your Bible every day. You would insert uh, praying every day. You'd insert giving. You'd, there's an, serving. You'd insert a number of things on this list of things to do that please God. And then probably on this other list, you'd have a number of things that, that we could list off and say, well, you shouldn't do this. This is not pleasing to God. You don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. So we have two lists, a list of things we do to please God and a list of things we don't do to please God. But when we think about in that, that mindset as to what it means to please God, what we do and we don't do, we're still missing God's design and his intent for your life. So when you look through Colossians and you read through the rest of Colossians, you read through where we're at in Colossians 3, verses 5 through 11. He has a list of a number of things that he's saying to take off, like an old set of clothing, just to take them off. What you and I come to realize is that a life that pleases God is not found in what you do or don't do. A life that's pleasing to God is a life that is satisfied that Jesus is enough. That you're satisfied that Jesus is enough. That it's not a matter of Jesus plus uh, my work, Jesus plus my giving makes me pleasing to God, Jesus plus my being baptized makes me pleasing to God, Jesus plus how much I read and pray makes me pleasing to God, or Jesus plus my not saying these words anymore makes me pleasing to God, or Jesus plus my not doing this or doing that or these things. It's not Jesus plus anything. 
It's that it's coming to a place to realize that being all in on what Jesus and what God is doing in you is, is trusting that Jesus is enough. It's being satisfied that he's enough. When, we, when you look through Colossians 3, uh, let me just read some of this to you. You don't have the slides, men, but Colossians chapter 3, verses 5, 5 and some of the following. He says, put to death or be rid of, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, your old nature or who you used to be. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. And he goes on down, verse 9. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on a new self, being renewed in the image and knowledge of our creator. And it really is a, what, what he gives this list of these things. And when we come into these places in, in the Gospels that we come to these lists of things, things that are not consistent with what Jesus is doing in us, who you're going to be, uh, what he doesn't want you to be, those things that those aren't a matter of we do those or don't do those to please God because it's really coming to a place we realize Jesus is enough. But what those all show us is those all show us what's happening on the outside when we've chosen to not let Jesus be enough on the inside. They show us that when, when we are having some of these things, you're talking about sins of our tongue, sins of our desire, sins of our passion. Others are sins of your body and things that you're doing. Those are all come to, when you boil every single temptation down that you face, it's coming to a place that in some way you've bought in, into the lie that there's something outside of Jesus and outside of God's design that you need to be enough. And so you choose to go outside of that design, outside of, of that pattern, rather than to stop be, simply be satisfied that Jesus is enough and to, and to trust him. I remember one book that I was reading some years ago, the author in it, he said that, he says, true gospel transformation is driven by remembrance. Remembering that Jesus is enough for me and remembering what Christ has done for me. But that's the root of, of change in, in our lives. It's not a matter of because I want to be better or be pleasing to certain individuals, but rather it's because Jesus has set me right with God the Father, and he's enough for me that I'm going to, there's going to be things in my life that I'm going to remove and set aside, not because they give me better standing with God, but because they detract from my relationship with Jesus. It's coming to a place to realize that Jesus is enough. So be all in. So for those being baptized this morning, and even for those as you're here, and it reminds you of when you were baptized in water as a symbol of what Christ is doing in you, take, this, take that baptism as a, as a reminder that it's a statement that Jesus is enough and what he's doing in me I'll trust in and I'll, and I'll continue to be all in on what he's doing. And then the last thing that I would give you, and those who are being baptized, you can slip out now to uh, the designated area just outside these doors. The last thing that I would give you is found in verse 4, and I think I would best summarize it as to live for the future. Live for the future, verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. When he says Christ, who is your life, appears. He says, who is your life? Sometimes we can think about, well, we, we talk about life and, and you might think about the way you go about living, the life you choose to live, the, the lifestyle you have. But when he says Christ, who is your life? That's not really exactly what he's talking about. I think a better, a better example, a better um, illustration to take when he says Christ, who is your life appears, he's talking about the, with the word for life. He's talking about the things that are the necessities, the kind of the essence of life, the things you need to live. And more specifically, I think the best thing you could relate it to would be the, be the very act of breathing. He says, so Christ, who is your breath of life, appears then you'll also appear with him in glory. So when you think about your breathing, did you realize that in just one minute, 
in just one minute, you have breathed, you breathe in on average 19 breaths per minute. And in just one hour, so for a little, we've been sitting here a little over an hour, an hour now. In just one hour, you have breathed in an average of 960 breaths. Now, how many of you had to stop and tell yourself, breathe, 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 breathe? Not one person did. That it's, it's programmed in you. Naturally, you breathe and you realize you have to breathe. In fact, the only time, I'm going to have you do something for me. The, uh, I'm going to have everyone hold your breath. If, can everyone just hold your breath? Take a deep breath, deep breath in and just hold your breath. Now, while you're holding your breath, I looked up online. The average person can hold their breath for about 30 seconds. And the record is 22 hours or 22 minutes and 22 seconds. Now, I don't think we have any record holders here this morning. So about 30 seconds, something's going to happen. You're going to realize that your focus is going to be less on what I'm saying, more on your need for the very next breath. As you're sitting there and you're holding your breath, you're going to begin to feel the need for the next breath that you need in. And, and what, what experts will tell you is that that point where you're needing that next breath is not necessarily because you're running short on oxygen, but it's the buildup of carbon dioxide in your lungs needing to be pushed out so fresh breath can replace because of just the, how the carbon dioxide is taking over in the system. And so it's a reminder, and you can breathe if you haven't already started, you can breathe. Um, <laughs> But I think the picture is when, when you hold your breath, there comes a point that that becomes the only thing you're thinking about. For those who, are, who dive in the water or those who are baptized under the, in the water in just a few seconds, when they're underwater, they're not going, they shouldn't breathe, breathe in. They're not going to breathe in because they're going to realize that what's surrounding them is not what they need to live. Instead, they need a breath from above, above the water, to be able to, to continue in the life that is in them. And that is the picture. That's what, that is what Paul is telling the church, the believers here in Colossians, and he's telling you and me. He says, we need to be so dependent on the life of Jesus and what he's doing in us and how he's changing us that everything we do, every choice we make, everything we think about is focused forward into to who he is, what he's doing in me, and kind of the next breath of life that we get from him. It's to realize his work that is going on in us and the consistency that we are to be making choices with in light of who he's making us to be. Uh, when, I, when I think about that, one of the things that we see in the New Testament, and Paul, the apostle Paul wrote about it, others wrote about it, is they talked about such a longing and a desire for Jesus and for his coming, for his return. And I've currently been reading a book called Longing for His Appearing, and it's talking about that the, the longing that a believer is, to, is really to have in their life for Jesus' return, to see him again. And I, I think about it in regards to, I think about my relationship with my wife, the, that when there's been times when we've been apart for, uh, for a substantial amount of time, whether it be overseas or in different things, and, and just a number of weeks apart, there comes a point where just uh, you're kind of just, there's an ache. It's like, I just, I miss her. I want, I just want to be near her. I want to be with her. I miss, I miss her presence. And you just, you have that longing and that ache inside of you. And really that type of longing and ache is what is intended to be in every single Christian for the presence of Jesus. That they're living for the future. They're thinking towards the future. They're thinking about, I need my next breath from Jesus. I need my next focus upon him, that who he is and what he's doing in me is so important that that is my focus, not on something that might be in front of me or a temptation that might come my way. And so it really, it's a real reminder to the ongoing work of Jesus that his work in us is so life-giving. It's so freeing, it's so transforming that every choice we make is consistent with who he is and what he's doing inside of us. And so this morning, when we watch these several individuals be baptized, 
It's a great reminder. It's a, great, it's a visible picture of what God's doing in them. And then it's a great reminder for you and for me to continue to keep our focus on Jesus and what he desires to do inside of us. So I'd love to uh, just have you bow your heads with me. Close your eyes. We're going to pray. And as I mentioned earlier, if, if you're here this morning and you love, you've made a decision to follow Jesus and you would love to uh, be baptized with those who are here this morning, don't hesitate to slip out. Let them uh, meet up with them in the back and then they will certainly um, baptize you as well. But I want to close, uh, close this portion in prayer and then we'll move into our time of baptism. So Heavenly Father, we love you. God, I am so grateful and so thankful for your continued work in us and the way you're continually changing us and renewing us and really forming us to be more like you. And so, Lord, now we give you these next few minutes and we, we really celebrate with those who are being baptized this morning and we celebrate the work that you're doing in them and the work that you're doing in us. And we continue to open our hearts and our lives before you and invite you to have your work. So, Lord, we love you, we worship you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.